You know, learning is a key in life. I think we, we probably give mental assent to that. It's easy to give mental assent to that. Like if, if someone said to you, learning is a key in life, the automatic answer has to be It does really, otherwise it's a bit silly. But I'm not sure we always believe it. You know, I uh, did my early years. I started an apprenticeship in 1980. 1980, that's really showing my age. And uh, and I was in the motor trade full-time as uh, as an apprentice uh, at 15. And then... um, and maybe in it, I think, 14 years full-time and another three or four years part-time as I became a bivocational pastor and, uh, and worked my way into ministry. And uh, it's a funny thing, you know, because I, I'm still painting cars all these years later. Not many, but just the odd one, the odd really important one. And, uh, and what I have found over the years is it pays to keep learning. Old tradies get this thing going. Any tradie in the place, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, ah, oh, we never did that when I was an apprentice. Hey, Ben, never did that when I was an apprentice. We never did it that way. Oh, that's a bit rough. Next generation, that's a bit rough. And what I've actually found is as things have progressed, um, actually, there's a lot of good technology. There's a lot of good applications that have come out since I was a boy doing my apprenticeship and I've found that as I apply my experience with new knowledge, it actually produces the best results of my life. I can actually say I can paint better now than I ever could, even though I rarely do it. I just do a little bit at a time and it's simply because I've, I think I've been able to continue to learn. It is a key in life. And we've been doing a series, within a series, if you might remember, we're doing a reimagine is sort of the theme for the year. And I've been doing a little series in that called Reimagine Foundations, stuff that is absolutely foundational to our Christian life and walk. And so I want, to, uh, I want to continue on that today and that theme with reimagine being a disciple. Reimagine being a disciple of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, uh, Peter says to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, see, we've left all to follow you. It's a great statement. It's a statement that sort of reflects those early disciples' commitment to Jesus. We have left all to follow you. And then I want to look at another passage out of Matthew, which is sort of one of Jesus' commitments back to them. They made a commitment to him, but he had a commitment to them. This is one of the more obscure ones. And it's in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 11. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them? In parables, Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom of God and doing it in that classic style. You know, the kingdom of God is like a man who went out to sow his field and the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. He's talking to people, to the crowds in parables and his disciples are like, you know, if you really want people to understand this stuff, why make it so obscure? Because a parable is basically a made up story that sort of hints at a deeper truth. Uh, and generally applied to spiritual stuff, but not, not only that. But it's like a made-up story that, that hints, that's like an arrow. It illustrates a deeper truth, but you've got to actually get a hold of it. It's not just like uh, truth laying on the ground. You've got to sort of dig it out a bit. 
And his disciples like, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and he said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Which seems strange to me. Like Jesus wanted to be known. Come on, that's our commission, is to make him known. He had a perfect opportunity to, to, you know, to be known. But somehow there was, there was a delineation between those who had committed to follow and those who were just hanging around listening. And there's always those two groups of people uh, in any place, probably in every room. The experience of the crowd was different to the experience of the disciples. And of course, what a disciple is, the Greek word methetes. If you've ever wondered what a disciple of Jesus, what disciple actually meant, it's a very simple term. It was a secular term, not a sacred one. And it was student or learner. That's all it meant. Student, learner. The inference was that you learnt from someone more experienced than than yourself. So if we wanted to maybe not just look at direct equivalent words, but certainly an equivalent concept, apprentice would be perfect. And all the Star Wars fans went, (laughs) apprentice would be perfect. And Jesus had invited them to be his disciples, those who would learn from him. And the experience of a learner is so different. If we put both those concepts together, you've heard me say this many times, but we have to get it, what it actually is to be a disciple of Jesus, because we're called to be that. If you put student and learner together, I think it equals teachable. No more, no less, just teachable. Are you teachable? You're a disciple. Oh, well, I don't consider myself a very good Christian. No, are you teachable is the question. Not how much Bible you can quote, not how much you pray, but are you teachable? Because I know people who can quote lots of the Bible and pray lots, and I'm not actually convinced they're still disciples. I think they left learning behind long ago when they got self-sufficient with their own knowledge. There's a difference, and there's a difference in our experience of Jesus. Being a learner makes a huge difference. If you think about it, there, were, there was lots of talk about Jesus in this time. People would have been running away from places where he'd met, people being healed, some of the dramatic healings. I mean, honestly, if you were down the street today and you saw a blind person's eyes open, would you run out and tell people about it? Most likely. And for those guys who had absolutely no access to modern medicine on any level, it was an even bigger deal. It wasn't just about seeing again, it was a transformation of life. I'm no longer a beggar, I can get a job. Maybe now I could get married, have a family. There's so many implications and the ripples of Jesus' ministry were flowing throughout the land. But so many people only knew Jesus as a talk of the town kind of thing. It was just the talk of the town. Like a lot of Aussies grew up in church homes, a lot of our young people that have grown up in our homes, it's possible that they grow up in church and not know Jesus because it's just talk of the town. It's just what gets talked about. And yeah, I've heard all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yet what Jesus is saying is you'll actually never get me until you follow me. 
You'll never really understand what I'm saying until you open your heart, until you're prepared to learn. All the people were hearing something from Jesus, but only the disciples were getting revelation. It's like Jesus reserves his best word for those who are hungry, open, and willing. That was the disciples. And it's why, I guess, that people who get critical or who are undecided, you know, the whole, the whole new atheist stream that we've got in our community, God bless them. But they'll never get Jesus. Or, well, they don't get Jesus, and they maybe never will. I hope they do, but they maybe never will. Because when you're in an echo chamber of your own opinions, you cannot actually be open to what Jesus wants to do. You might be in the crowd, you might be able to observe him, you might be able to hear about him and even banter about him, but the difference between that and knowing him is chalk and cheese. And I guess we all sort of kind of realise that. But we're foolish to think that that cannot be us. It's one thing to say, well, out there there's a bit of unbelief. No, uh, we're foolish to think that that can't touch us. We're foolish to think that we can't get to a place in our lives where we've gone from being a student and a learner, but we somehow feel like we've graduated on the truth scale. And there's nothing new to learn. And there could be nothing further from the truth. So if being a lifelong learner is the key, the big question becomes this. Am I open, hungry and willing? Is that still me? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves. I'm going to just uh, talk through those things and maybe try and illustrate them a little bit, then ask us a couple of questions. Is that okay? You're pretty quiet. You doing all right? Yeah. Haven't tread on too many toes yet? Okay, so let's have a look at these things. Open. The English word, <laughs> surprise, surprise, in the dictionary, I just went to the dictionary, open means not closed, is the, first, is the first definition. But it's like, what a great definition to what I'm talking about. If you're open, it means you're not closed. Another part of that illustration I love is without obstruction. Without obstruction. You're open. And I love that. And that's what we need to be if we actually want to be a disciple. We have to stay open. And to me, it is scary to me. How many Christians can polarise to something and then shut off any discussion? This last season has proven it. And it's like, oh my goodness, do you realise you cannot be a disciple and be closed at the same time? You have to stay open. And yet, I don't know why it is, I've actually had people from outside of church world, unchurched people, say to me, what is it with Christians? <laughs> They're so dug in and it's like... <laughs> and we've got to stay open on everything from doctrine to our own opinions. We've got to stay a bit open. When, when I talk about doctrine and massaging doctrine, I was having a talk this week, I was down at... Uh, state meetings, state level meetings for leadership of our movement, and um, and I was talking to one of our you know senior pastor, senior senior guys, and um, and it was a little bit like, oh mate, don't go talking about massaging doctrine, and don't go talking about changing terminology and whatnot. And you know what I said? I said, why not? It's all we have done in two thousand years of church history. 
That's all that's ever happened. And he went, you're right. (laughs) It's like we've got to stay open because this is what the religious leaders didn't do. You know, they had their scriptures. They were learned. They were trained. They had their structure, their religion and everything that supported the whole thing. But they couldn't get Jesus for one reason. is because they just closed up. They didn't stay open. And it's just remarkable. I think one of the contrasts of Scripture is that you have learned, studied. These are people, you know, when you talk about a, a rabbi in Jesus' day, you're talking about people that were groomed from small children and at 12 years of age were selected if they went through their third school of Bible learning and were good enough, they were selected to go on and be rabbis. They knew the book backwards and they couldn't, by and large, be disciples of Jesus. But a woman whose life was so broken, so lost and so dark that Jesus had to cast seven demons out of her, became one of his inner circle. What was the difference? Mary Magdalene was open. That's all there was. And God can do anything with an open heart. Here's the second thought. You doing okay? Here's the second thought. But they're hungry. And I guess we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we open? Are we hungry? Are we hungry? We've left all. We'd do anything for this, is what they were saying. But for us, the temptation becomes petitioning our lives. It's like, like a house. If our heart was a house with many rooms, you know, you've got your front, you've got the front patio and you've got the, you've got the living room and the lounge room or whatever and the kitchen and then the, up the hall and the bedrooms and the bathroom, etc. But we can be tempted instead of saying, oh, Jesus, come into my heart. It's like, Jesus, come into my living room. <laughs> but I'm going to just, you know, we, we have the grandkids over now and the easiest way to make the house safe is just close all the doors. <laughs> they can run up the hallway, but, they, you know. And, and, and if we're not careful, we lose our hunger, we start to close up. So, oh, I'm going to church. I'll just close a few doors here up the hallway, (laughs) just make sure Jesus doesn't get in anywhere he's not meant to be. And we all do it. If we're not careful, Jesus becomes Sunday or when I'm with a certain group of people or when I'm in a certain space. This is where I'm like a Jesus person, but everything else belongs to me. They're saying we left all and they did. And that's why he said to them, To you, it's been given. You make that commitment to me, I'll make this commitment to you. The lights are going to come on for you because you've surrendered. You're open, you're hungry, this is what you want. Come on, is that what you still want? Many of us in this room have been following Jesus for a long time. If you're a newer believer here, is that what you want? Here's the keys. You know, you might be here and maybe you haven't come to that point of faith yet and you're very, very welcome. It's great to have you both in the room and online. This is how you get to know Jesus. (laughs) It's not about really attending church. It's not about praying special prayers. Those things can be great. 
But what it's about is being open and being hungry and being teachable. The desire to know him must drive us past our need to hold on to our lives with a sense of false autonomy where we think we're in control. Isn't this what Jesus said? He said, if you try and save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. And I believe he was talking about that John 10.10 life. That abundant life. Thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. In other words, the devil just wants to mess you up. But I've come (laughs) that you might have life and have it to the full. And that's where it comes from. And, And like this last season, if it's taught us nothing else, it should have taught us how ridiculous it is. And we only ever get this thought in really, really prosperous times. But how ridiculous is it is that we actually think we're in control at any point. That's the mistake. And then a little invisible speck comes along and turns the world upside down for a couple of years. Whether you believe in it or not, it still turned the world upside down. And it's like, my goodness, wouldn't it just be easier to cross the bridge now? Just realize I'm not in control, I'm just hungry. I'm open, I'm hungry, I want to be teachable. Jesus, you know, I want it to open up, I want to understand, I want to know you as my foundation. And finally, willing. We're still doing okay? Finally, willing. Come follow me. It wasn't in any of the the passages that I read, but we understand that that was the beginning of the disciples' journey. And Jesus, you know, gets them at either beside the lake while they're fishing or at a tax collector's booth, says, come follow me. I can only think of one that didn't, that he said that directly to, like one individual personalised account. There's accounts of many not following, but the rich young ruler was the one that wouldn't do it. And I often wonder, who could he have been? Who, what might he have been if he'd followed through on what Jesus said? Anyhow, that aside, come follow me was the beginning of it. And without a doubt, what that meant in Jesus' mind, because the, the Hebrew word, literally, even though they were Greek speakers, Aramaic speakers by this stage, their scriptures were in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for hear, to hear, was exactly the same word as to obey. So in Hebrew, um, if you even heard something but you didn't obey it, people would say, he didn't hear it. (laughs) I'll know you've heard it when you do it. And when Jesus said, follow me, there's no doubt that what he was saying was, come and do it with me. This thing that I'm about, this is for you too. This is not just about Jesus becoming a superstar. This was about Jesus laying his life down so that we, his church, would rise up through the earth and be the loving hands and feet of God walking through this world. So follow me meant come do it with me. So ultimately, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is my connection to Jesus affecting how I act? Not what I've heard, not what I even claim to understand, but because of what I'm hearing Jesus say or the Scriptures say, Is it actually changing the way I act? 
you know, emotionally, emotionally, just think about it. I mean, man, if ever there was a season where we could fall to the trap of compassion fatigue, it's now. We have been two years of circle the wagons, stay safe and look after yourself. And we have to do that. But if we're not careful, somehow compassion could have got struck off the list. So it's just an illustration, just with our emotions. Anger. With anger. Man, it, you know, it's a sad fact, but there would be domestic violence in the church, maybe even in this one, I don't know. But it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. If there's one place on the planet it shouldn't be, it's people who are listening to Jesus. Because if we're hearing him, it's changing the way we act. It's changing the way we speak to one another. It's changing the way we treat our spouses and our children. It's, it's changing everything about us. That's what following Jesus is. That's, the disciples got revelation because they were prepared to obey, to follow, to serve. That's what they did. What about my time? I can't help but think, you know, Jesus wasn't on the planet for long. And he didn't come into his ministry till he was about 30 years of age. And he was only in his ministry in the public eye for three and a half. And he gave every moment of it to us. If you think about it, the Son of God eternal comes into this, what well, a parenthesis in eternity that we call human history and time. It's just a parenthetical insertion in eternity. And one day, eternity will continue and time will be no more. Jesus was in it for 33 and a half years and he gave us everything. And the question is, are we prepared to give it back? Our own lives, our own short time here before eternity recommences. And what about our resources? Honestly, they're just practical ways God changes our life. I sort of, you know, there's a lot of criticism of the church at the moment and big churches in media and stuff like that. And one of the things is, yeah, it's all about the money, the money, the money, money. Yeah, and, and there's probably been abuses. Tell me somewhere in our society where that doesn't happen. No excuse for it in the church, but honestly, you think football clubs don't? When they take their young guys to strip club? You, you, you think they don't? And it's not to wash that away. It's just to say, for me, it's like giving 10% back to God to start with is really not a big deal considering what Jesus did in the landscape of my life as a 21-year-old man. It's like I owe him everything. It's so to me, it's natural to tithe. To me, it's natural to give to missions. To me, it's natural to give to heart for the house or whatever else. It's just like, God, I want to give back all I can. While I can. Because one day, time's going to finish and we're going to be back to eternity. And that's a really awkward way of talking about eternity. I mean, you can't measure it in time. Eternity's not a really long time. It always was, always is. It's a plane that we know nothing of. But we put it in human terms so that we can somehow understand it. So here's some questions. Am I a disciple? If the definition of disciple is learner, student, teachable, 
then a great question we could ask ourselves today, if indeed you want to follow Jesus, is, am I a disciple? Am I teachable? Am I a learner? Or have I somehow closed my mind? Are there obstructions, maybe offences or hurts or whatever, that have stopped me journeying with truth? And I've dug in tight as a tick, And the danger of that is history proves that people who once thought they were really, really right sometimes are proven wrong. (laughs) So you want to stay a little bit flexible and allow God to take you on a journey. Second question would be, is my life's door open to Jesus? Or just the front room? (laughs) Do You know, when when I think I'm going to actually encounter God, maybe get with my Christian friends or or come to church, or in life group, or, you know, some of those more intimate connections with God, more sort of in-your-face connections with God, if we put it that way. Do I run down the hallway closing the doors I don't want anyone to go in or God to go in? And, And we all struggle with that. That's a reality. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Honestly, if you can't be honest with people in the room, that's okay. At least be honest with Jesus in your bedroom. (laughs) I think that's what he said when he said, when you pray, go into your cupboard. It's a little bit like God wants to hear things you wouldn't tell anyone else. Come on. God wants to hear the pain, the frustration, the disappointment, the fear, the sin, the whatever. Wrap it out with God in a closed environment. You, You might have to close a few doors to protect yourself when you're in public. But when you're in private, let Jesus in every room. And he'll bring healing to it. Last question is, does our relationship with Jesus change the way we engage our world? And and I guess I wanted to ask that as a we question, church, like, because I think it's something that we, as New Hope, as this family, particular church family, that's something we need to wrestle with, is, is, you know, how long can we keep the wagon circle? I just really believe this next season has to be a season of mission like never before. We've got to break out, break out into our community. We've got so many connections over so many years. We've brought so much blessing into our community and, uh, and we need to get going with all of that once again. That's sort of what I'm believing. And I, and I think just following Jesus makes it that. If you've actually heard from Jesus, it means you, you do, you obey. It changes the way we act. All good questions to ask yourself. So how are you doing? How are you doing with being a disciple? How are you doing with letting Jesus in every room? How are you doing with allowing what you know He's got for you to change the way you walk, the way you live and act? I think we all want that. I really do. So I'd like to pray for us today. Can I just pray for us all? Heavenly Father, I'm going to look at you while I do it because I don't know why people close their eyes when they pray all the time. I don't think it makes God listen any better. Father, I just thank you for everyone, every heart, every family in this room. Thank you for what you've done in our lives so far, whatever our journey's been. Now, right now, people who are struggling with faith, maybe even those who've rejected it and gone, that's not for me. I thank you for their life. I thank you, Father, that Jesus always has something 
to touch a heart. Help us, Lord, to let you in every room of the house. Help us stay teachable, pliable, flexible, humble, I think is probably a great word for it. Help us stay humble before you and help us engage our world the way that you did. You brought healing, you brought life, you brought hope. Help us be that people in this season for our community. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And you know, you could be with us here today, as I said, and maybe you're still on a bit of a faith journey. You might be ready to actually take a step towards Jesus. And that'd be a wonderful thing to do right now in this place, online. Don't hold back, don't wait. You know, if God has touched your heart in any way, warmed your heart, all I've done is preach some Bible. And if God's touched your heart, then friend, I just encourage you, don't don't hold back. You know, the quicker you open up, the quicker Jesus is going to come so alive within you and bring change that is great. That's what Jesus does. And you can do that right now. If you're sitting on the threshold, just open your heart with your own words. Maybe just like open a door to your house, the house that is your heart, and invite Jesus right in. You might not understand what that means. I didn't. As a young man at 21, I had no idea what that meant. I just had this feeling I needed to do it. And I guess here I am, you know, 36 years later, following Jesus still, because the moment I became open, He became real. He showed up. He doesn't show up for bystanders. He shows up for those who are prepared to open their heart. So you can do that right now, friend. In simple words, just invite Jesus into your life, into your heart. 